Welcome to Discastia, a podcast for parents and educators about the best way to support kids living with learning difficulties. I'm Michael Shanahan. And I'm Bill Hansberry. What are we talking about today, Bill? Michael, we are starting, probably not on the easiest of topics, a a deep dive into um, what we call this stuff of Learn learning difficulty, learning disability, learning disorders. We, we're going to kind of go deeply into, well, what's the language around this and what type of language is okay and I guess when is it okay? Yeah. And why? Why does language matter? Well, that's right. So I guess before we get into it, um, I just want to acknowledge that we are on the traditional lands of the Kaurna people, Michael, here in, uh, in uh, sunny, where are Blackwood? Blackwood, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Um, and we're only here, I guess, by the good graces of the people uh, who are the traditional custodians who mm. uh, allow us to walk on their land. Here, here. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Right. So, shall we roll into it then? Yeah, let's do it. So, in talking, Michael, three different types of terminology have sprung already, haven't they? Yep. Uh, learning difference, learning disability, learning disorder. And we hear them used interchangeably. I want to know what your thinking is on that uh, and where you might use each and whether we have to stick to one. Mm. Well, I think there's two parts to it for me. The first part is what I might prefer. Mm. So as someone living with a learning difficulty myself or disability or disorder (laughs) (laughs) or a dis, dyslexia, dysgraphia. Dyscalculia. uh, Dyscalculia. Yeah. So there's a whole lot of terms. I think there's two ways to look at it. I think, what do I think personally about it? Like, what's my personal preference? And I think everyone would have a different personal preference. Mm. And that's diversity, isn't it? You know, people have what they're comfortable with. And then there's the official terminology. Mm. Like, Mm. if you get a diagnosis from an educational psychologist, Mm. you get an official label for it. Well, is it a diagnosis or an identification? Because I've been pulled up on that myself too. Um, And then there is what might be best for the community as a whole. Because I think labels have an impact on mental health. Yes. And our self-identity. And particularly if you're a kid. You know, you're in a vulnerable space. You're trying to form ideas about who you are as a person. Yeah. And I think in those circumstances, language does matter. You, the, the, the microphone probably picked up my very audible out-breath then, my almost sigh on that when you went into the space around labels, mental health, and then what that means for our kids. Michael, we're both, because we're both um, specialist dyslexia or or learning difficulty uh, practitioners, we've had these conversations with parents about Mm. should my child know that there is a a formal identification here? And and we're both teachers as well by background. Now, part of the culture of teaching was don't label, don't label. Number one, because it's above our pay rate to label. We're not educational psychs. But the other ideological bit about it was, um, well, what does happen to a kid emotionally when you put a label on them? Now, I don't know about you, but I have done an absolute 180 on that. Right. Um, now that I work in this this area. Um, oh, so, w- so what was your thought previously? Well, don't label, um, don't label, don't oh, label, yeah. don't, don't put kids in a corner. And then what changed your mind? Um, the natural and understandable assumptions that that young people with difficulties that are very apparent to them and apparent to others, the natural assumptions they make about the reasons for those difficulties and without the proper knowledge 
a lot of kids, most kids I've worked with would just assume that they're dumb. Yeah. You know? That, that's kind of the choice you've got, isn't it? Yes. Either I'm dumb. Yes. Or what? What's the alternative? That, that's right. Because I actually have no language or knowledge to explain the reason that the, the other kids in my class, if we're talking about dyslexia, are flying through those leveled readers and mm. are picking up this broad skill set that we call reading seemingly effortlessly. Yep. But here I am still on this wretched level, whatever it is, not moving. Yeah. And if I don't know the if I don't know the nuts and bolts of the reason I'm not moving, then I'm going to call myself dumb. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I can't think of any other thing that yeah. you'd say to yourself in that no, situation. No, I think that's true. I certainly remember my son when he – because I love stories and I love reading and so does my wife. And so it was exciting having a kid and thinking, I can't wait for them to read. Yeah. You know, I can't wait for them to discover these magical worlds. And then uh, he couldn't. Yeah. And he got to the point where he was saying, what's wrong with me? Uh, yeah. You know, he was in year two yeah. and he was saying, you know, all the other kids can read. Mm. What's wrong with me? Why can't I read? Yeah. And back then, I didn't even know what dyslexia was. Yeah. You know, this was my introduction to it, even though subsequently I discovered I'm dyslexic. Yes. Um, and so that was a, like a moment of what do we do? Yes. Like, because we were parents who read religiously yes. every night because like, yeah. I loved, you know, I loved reading to the kids. It was part of the whole routine. So, you know, this parental guilt comes in <sighs> of like, well, is it my fault, blah, 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 blah. And so I think from that perspective, had there not been a diagnosis or an identification mm. and a label and someone saying, here's what it is. It's the thing. Here's what it is. It was emotional and it was hard. Mm. But at the same time, it was like, oh, okay, now that it's got a name, mm. we've got some strategies. Like yeah. there is actually something we can do here yeah. to remediate it and, you know, help him out because he was really struggling yeah. psychologically yes. because school is so much about reading, isn't it? Um, Michael, number one, thank you for that. That's raw. But that is the experience that um, you and I live, I guess, through other parents as well. Um, in our practices, um, as you were talking, I was remembering there's a there's a beautiful little YouTube clip by a young man who's local in South Australia um, that was put together by Mark Lemessurier. Uh, um, and the young fella, his name is Tim Mackey, and in this, and you can get this on YouTube, hmm. um, if you just YouTube, I don't want to be here anymore, there was a point where Tim's mum was reflecting on Tim, I think, being in year maybe two. Tim had had the same realisation your lad had, that this was hard and didn't know why. And um, his mother tearily said, Tim looked at me and said, Mum, you can't help me. Nobody can help me because I'm never going to be able to learn how to read. It's so sad. It's the desperation. Yeah. 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 It's so sad because it's such a big thing. Mm. And so, you know, I think of it from that perspective and you can see I'm still emotional about it. And this mm. is like he's 19 now. The scar, <laughs> the scar tissue yeah. uh, runs thick and deep, Michael. Yeah. So we're in, so we, we've, we've gone down the rabbit hole, which is probably a topic for a pod, podcast all on its own yeah. about yeah. the damage that, that this does, but not just to kids, Michael, to, to their parents, because mm. it's a, it's a, 
it's a desperate and powerless position to be in when your bright, bubbly, verbally intelligent kid who went happily off to school all of a sudden grinds to a halt mm. um, yep. because it is all about print yes. at school, particularly in the beginning. So, okay, we, we have these lucky families uh, who can get an identification and if they can't, some lucky families have a teacher willing to stick their neck out and say, you know what, I reckon you should look at this. I reckon yeah. you should maybe get an assessment. And then the very, very lucky kids are in schools that go, look, it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck. It's we're pretty sure it's dyslexia yeah. and we're going to chuck him into intervention yeah. regardless. I think that's so important because our experience was, and there's no blame game here because I didn't know what dyslexia was back then. No. And so the teacher was saying, don't worry, he'll catch up. Mm. You know, some kids take longer, don't worry, he'll catch up. Yeah. But if I could, you know, go back and give myself advice, I'd think, no, hold on a sec, it's better to be safe than sorry. Yeah, it's better yeah. to go in, get an assessment, find out where you're at because yes. you'll quickly discover whether That's it's right. dyslexia or not. Yeah. And at least then you've got a roadmap, but kind of the longer you leave it, the mm. harder it gets. And I guess I just want to shout out to teachers and schools listening to this. Um, from the perspective of a couple of practitioners, the time lost by teachers not keen to say what's on their mind to parents is really important time. We know that there's this kind of year three, year four cutoff that if a youngster doesn't get a good intervention before that, it is so much harder to normalise their reading. Not impossible. Not impossible, You can, you can no. still do it, but it's harder. Thank you for clarifying <clears throat> that. That's an important message. Um, but um, And when teachers do say this to a parent, they stick their neck out. Teachers will still tell me I would get a slap across the hand from a leader mm. for saying this because the leader would say we can't diagnose. Yeah, That's not a diagnosis. That's just saying there's something going on here. Yeah, It's a suggestion. It's an observation. Yeah, that's right. And what harm could there come from an investigation of that? That's right. So if you find out it's not dyslexia, what else is it? Yeah, exactly. So we'd better get ourselves, uh, I guess, um, into this conversation about the labels, Michael. So yeah. disorder, mm -hmm. disability, uh, difference. Let's start with... Yeah, difference. Do you want to start with difference? Sure. Okay, tell mm. us... You well, tell, tell me what you're I thinking. personally don't like difference mm. because... I, I don't think, well, learning difference, they often say. Yes. So it's that learning difference that I don't agree with because I don't think kids living with uh, dyslexia, dyscalculia, mm. um, dysgraphia learn differently. Neither I don't think do they I. do. Yeah. I think they learn exactly the same as everybody else does. Yes. They maybe need more time and practice because something because it's more difficult for yeah. them. Yeah. But it's the same for anyone. You know, some yeah. people have natural talent at tennis. Yes. They can pick up a tennis racket and they can go and have a rally. Yes. Someone else picks up a tennis racket and they might immediately drop it or the ball comes and they totally miss it. Yes. Like they've got to work harder yes. to get good at it. Yes. But they don't learn tennis differently. No. No. It's the same learning process. A good you just forehand have different starting. looks the same. Yep. A good topspin backhand looks the same. A good kick serve looks the same. Yep. The skills that make them up are different. It's just some kids tend to pick it up by looking at it and watching it. <laughs> and some kids need that skill set taken apart into its small pieces and each taught well. Yeah, with lots exactly. Of practice. Exactly. I'm so, glad you went So there. I don't think that's different. 
I'm glad you went there because when you look at the stages that young people pass through, uh, reading development stages and spelling development stages, you are exactly right. They are the same, whether you are um, a young person with a dyslexic profile or not. Um, you are still going to have to pass through those well-established developmental stages for reading and for spelling. Uh, it's just that the the dyslexic population are going to need, to use again the tennis method, mm. they're going to need those skills broken up into a fine-grained way, taught in a logical sequence with much, much, much more practice or repeated yeah. exposures, as yeah. they say. Yeah. yeah, Lots of practice and... So yeah, difference so, so doesn't I, cut the mustard? No, I don't think it's different. No. I, I think it's, I mean, I suppose you could look at a perspective where, you know, you could argue that is different because it takes more time. But I think the word difference there implies that you need a different, a whole different approach or yeah. a different technique. Yes. And I'm not sure that just extra time or being more explicit counts as no. different. And it is fraught because then you are vulnerable. If you're going to talk about kids learning differently, and we know that learning different or learning styles have been debunked and so they should be, mm. but if you're going to subscribe to this every child learns differently business, I reckon you're very vulnerable to a heap of edu trends, I call yeah, them, those yeah. those things that come and go that, that – um, once upon a time, I so eagerly grabbed to try to make a difference for mm. a kid. Yeah. I, I think, it, look, my opinion is it's the path into non-evidence-based mm. teaching if we're going to do that. Yeah. Now, okay, now that we've poo-pooed the, the term difference, yeah. why might it be attractive to some people, do you think? The term difference? Mm. Uh, well, because I think that sometimes it's used to make a kid feel better I think you're right. about themselves mm. or an attempt to make them feel better about themselves. Mm. I'm not 100% sure it does because I'm not yeah. sure that – well, firstly, I'm not sure it's helpful because we don't want to develop a, a way of thinking in a kid that turns into an excuse. Yes. Like, Ooh, here's like an, oh, we don't want right. a kid to be thinking, I can't learn this because of the teachers not teaching me the way that I need to learn. Oh, that's another you know podcast. What I'm, yeah, that's but, another no, thing, I'm glad but, you went there. Keep going. But, so I'm not 100% sure that that's helpful to say learn differently. I think it's more helpful to be talking about the primary um, way that we do learn. Mm. And so I talk to my kids about asking questions. Mm. Like that's a big one. When you're not sure about something, yep. actually pipe up and yeah. say it and yeah. get good at that. Yes. And practice. Yes. Practice is the big one, isn't it? Like well, first knowing what it is and then practicing it. Mm. The right type of practice though, Michael, yeah, because exactly. we know that we know that just sending um, non structured text home for kids and thinking that just reading more is going to be you yeah, know, that's not what we're talking about. Because they might be practising the wrong thing. Exactly. They're practising forced guessing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really hard to break that guessing habit once kids get to, get to that stage. Isn't it just? Yeah. Yes. Uh, we've got three queuing to thank for that, Michael. But that's a, <laughs> <laughs> or multi-queuing, which is yeah, completely disproven. So, okay. So we don't uh, – yeah. So difference, probably we're thinking uh, no. Mm -hmm. um, something you said made me think a lot of the – Understandably, a lot of the terminology parents use around kids, I think, probably has a better job of helping a parent feel better yeah. than the youngster yeah. themselves. You know, no, um, I agree. Yeah. Well, but I think parental guilt has a big 
role to play in it, parental guilt, teacher guilt. Yes. Because we feel helpless. We do. We do. And we feel like, where? what have I done wrong? That's right. Or what could have I done? And oh, it's yeah. a natural thing to yeah, feel. that's right. Isn't it? we who teach are kind of invested in kids, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. It just kind of comes with the territory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah well, every day if I teach something and a kid doesn't get it, yeah. I st- Straight away, I think, okay, what have I done wrong? <laughs> Isn't that interesting, by the way, the uh, the whole flip from uh, if it's the kid's fault if uh, they don't get it to, oh, no, it's, it's, on, it's on us. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that guilt is difficult and I think sometimes that guilt, I think sometimes the labels we use and the descriptions we use are designed to get to make yeah, us feel yeah, better, feel better. Yeah. about what's happening so that we're not feeling guilty or like, yes. you know, it wasn't something I did yes. as a parent or it's not something I'm lacking as a teacher. Yes. Um, it's it's mm. an actual thing. Yes, it is a like thing. Like it's an actual physical, physiological Right. So neurodiversity is such a, such a buzzword at the moment. We, I don't think it's helpful for kids. All brains do different stuff. Mm. We get that. Yep. Um, no, no two brains are exactly alike. However, we don't want to water down a specific learning difficulty or disorder or well, here we are, but we don't want to water <laughs> it down to, oh, that's just a little bit of a difference. Yeah. Because that little difference, if we're going to call it that, has huge implications, yep. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's, should we move on to disability? Yes. The other way that we can talk about this. Yeah, well, what do you think about disability? Um, I know that, uh, understandably, um, in certain, parents want to avoid it like the plague mm. because we have very different mental images, typically, don't we, when we hear the word disability, i.e. we're thinking physical disability, or yeah. that's where I go. Yeah. Um, however, um, so, so no one wants to say to a kid, uh, you aren't reading well because you are disabled. Yeah. Okay. That that just is jarring, yes. isn't it? Okay. Because it's not the person that's disabled anyway. Even if you're talking disability, you wouldn't say that to anyone. Let's go there then. Yeah. With you know the groups I have spent time in, mm-hmm. uh, which code read used to be dag bags, dyslexia SA. When we would talk to policymakers about dyslexia, in that setting. Uh, the word disability was what got the traction. So uh, people kind of ask me, when do you use it? And I say, it's probably a word in a political setting. When we are trying to convince people that this is real, it has huge, huge implications for people's life. This is illiteracy. Um, So in that in that context, I've no trouble calling it a disability. Well, that label is very useful mm. from that perspective because if you call it a disability, now you're falling under... International Declaration of the, DDA the Rights of the People he, uh-huh. Who Live with Disability. Yes. And that gives you certain protections. Yes. So where it has been awfully helpful is um, the the kind of analogy, well, uh, why wouldn't you give a child with uh, dyslexia a good evidence-based intervention and denying that would be like saying to a person in a wheelchair, um, no ramp for you. Yeah, exactly. You know, if we talk about accessing education. Um, yep. But I want to bounce something off you. Uh, a future guest of ours once mm-hmm. said to me, um, there is no such thing as a disability, only a disabling environment mm-hmm. or something to that effect. Yeah. And I thought, It's oh, that social view of disability. Right. Is that what, yeah. it, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Because... That's true, isn't it? The whole idea of disability is simply a 
construct. Yes. Because it's really a deviation from the norm. Mm. You know, so when we look at, when we're talking about neurodiversity, everyone has a different brain, that's true. Yeah. But we all tend towards a particular pattern. Yes. And then there are people that fall outside that norm. Yes. I'm imagining a bell curve, Michael. That's right, on a spectrum. Yes. And so we all tend to kind of go to that norm, that spot. And because most of us are there, Mm. then I think most of society and our built infrastructure and everything we do is based around the top of the where curve. most of us are. Yeah. Because it's our yes. personal perspective. Yes. And so then from inside that bell curve bubble, yep. we're looking outside and going, You're different. Yeah. You know, let's give you a label, let's call it disability or whatever, mm. because you can't use the steps, the beautiful steps that I've just created. Yes, yes. But you see, that's just me saying this is how it is, yeah. and you're different. Mm. So that to me, that's the social model because it's like, well, where are the majority of people thinking and what yeah. are the majority of people thinking? Yeah. And if you're outside of that, then there's something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. So if you look at wow. it from that perspective, mm. you think, okay, well, that is just a constructed reality, mm. isn't it? Well, it is. It's, uh, it, it's, it's the experience of the majority. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just unfortunate, well, you know, if you want to call it unfortunate, it's just that reading is such an enormous part of what kids do at school mm. that if you're outside that norm and, the, you know, you have neurodiversity that means reading is hard, mm. then we start saying that's a disability and so on. But, you know, we don't apply the same labels to someone that's bad at cooking, you know, kicking a football mm. or cooking a meal. Yes. You know, if you're a bad cook, we don't say you've got a disability. You don't have this cookie. <laughs> yeah, because it's not something that, no. you know, you have to pass and do it, get examined on at school. Oh, I mean, in some yeah. subjects it is, but it's, it's yes. not so fundamental. So from that perspective, it's a construction, isn't it? Well, it is. It is. So, you know, prior to literacy in schools, dyslexia was not a disability. Prior to a writing system. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. and so there's proof that it's a construction, isn't yes, there? Because yes. this has always been part of our diversity. That's right. It's just that now, you know, this particular thing that we find tricky yeah. becomes a cornerstone of education. Wow. Oh, man, you're just blowing my mind on this. Um, probably need to qualify the last comment. Prior to a Phoenician <laughs> alphabet, a sound-based writing system, it wasn't yeah, an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. that's right. So, um, okay, so we've covered disorder, mm. disability. Uh, no, we haven't. Sorry, we did difference yeah. and disability. Yeah. Now we've got disorder left. Yeah. Tell me when you hear disorder, if someone says dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, mm. learning disorder, where do you go? See, I don't like disorder. Yeah. And to me, this is, uh, well, I don't like it, but I see the necessity for it. Where might it, it be necessary? Well, this is the official medical term. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's still like a diagnosis or an yes. identification, whatever you want to call it. There's still a label that needs to be put on it. And Traditionally, that kind of medical model of disability um, puts a label that is like a, a functional deficit. You know, they, they label it as something less mm. or, mm. you know, a functional deficit or a, 
What's the word we're talking about? A disorder. <laughs> a disorder, yeah. yeah. So it's it's labelled as something that's wrong with you. That is unordered, yeah, out of order. Yeah, because that's their job. Yes, yes. And that's the job of the medical person, you know, they yes. assess you and they say, this is the disorder, this is what's wrong. Yes. Kind of like you're a mechanic yes. and you focus and you say, this is what's wrong with your car. Yes. It's that very logical, yes. you know, professional... Yes. Here you go. Here's the name of the diagnosis. Your car's alternator falls outside <laughs> a standard deviation yeah, either side true. of... A, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exactly right. It's only yeah. producing 11 volts instead of 12. <laughs> oh, <gee. laughs> so, so you've got to replace it. Oh, my gosh. You made me think about... So a book it was uh, the, the author, Elliot, and uh, I can, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the other author, The Dyslexia Debate. Did you read that book when it came out a few no. years ago? Well... I read it and I got a bit cranky. Because, now, it was a purely academic look at this thing we call dyslexia. And if I understood it right, they, they had pretty much the conversation you and I are having about if we're talking about dyslexia, it was reading ability falling at a certain point on the lower end of a distribution. Mm -hmm. and, and what these two authors were saying was, okay, so if there's this line on this distribution yeah. and on one side of the line you have dyslexia and on the other side of the line you don't, what does that mean yep. for who gets the help and who doesn't? Yeah, so what does it mean for the kid that's just above? That's right, that's right. So I understood it, but I thought um, it, it was going to confound the whole was going to cause problems for the whole debate. Yeah. Um, but it just made me think of that. But I, I completely on board with that line stuff. But there yeah. has to be a line. Yeah, there's got to be a line. A medical model says yeah. there's a line between hypertension and not having hypertension. Yeah. There's a line between being of a good weight for your height and a not good weight for your height. Yeah, so, that's right. And you've got to draw a line somewhere. Yeah. And that line is based on evidence. Ordered, like disordered. If, yeah. Mm. If someone falls below this line, mm. then it's too deviated too far from the norm. Yes. And so we need to put something in place, you know, to support yes. that person to try and, you know, shift it. So it's not perfect, this, this line on a huh. distribution, which pretty much runs and dictates a, a lot of who gets what in our community, yeah. but it is... It is what it is. Yeah. It's not a perfect system. No. Right. And, and, and so it, kind of for me that's the difference is that, you know, that disorder doesn't sit well with me. You know, no. before I was saying it's there's two perspectives. One is what you like to use and what the mm. one is what the official terminology mm. is. So mm. I accept it's the official terminology, but yeah. I don't use it because I don't feel disordered. You know, I no. don't feel like there's something wrong with me. Michael, you're one of the most ordered people <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so... And and then there's the social, uh, then there's the like human rights model yes. of disability, okay, whatever you want to call it, um, which I think I subscribe to, which really says that everyone has a right. Yeah. So I'm a person. Yes. So I've got a right to an education. Yes. I've got a right to be able to read, learn to read, and learn to write. Like you that's my do. human right. And so. I like that approach because it doesn't draw a line in the sand anywhere. There's mm. no line. Mm. The mm. line is underneath all of humanity Yes. to say we all need to have this right to do this. I really like that model. I like it too. That says, well, you know, let's get rid of discrimination altogether by yeah. saying we're all human. Yeah. So we all have these rights and let's do our best to make sure everyone achieves them. 
That's well put, my mm. friend. I like that. I like it too. Mm. <laughs> well, that's how I like yeah. to think of it. Okay. Well, I don't know whether we've given the listener really anything <laughs> but probably food for thought about, you know, whether you use the term disorder, disability or um, difference. But yeah. no, actually difference. Well, I think we could, if there was a bin in here, we'd yeah. put difference in the bin, haven't <laughs> yeah, we? Yeah, I don't like difference. For specific learning difficulties yep. anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, for me, you know, if I was to think what to take away from this is that it's confusing. Mm. So you've been doing this for a long time, Bill, mm. much longer than me, and yet you're still oh, debating in your head day. and learning every day and thinking, yeah. what do I call this? What is a learning disability? What is a learning difference? Like, it's really complicated. And I think it's complicated because we're trying to draw a line yeah. on something that is a spectrum. Something just occurred to me. Mm. Hang on, we've said disability, disorder, difference. And then I said specific learning difficulty because mm. SLD. So yeah. I pulled in difficulty as well. Yeah. We didn't mean to. Yeah. I like difficulty personally. Yeah. And it is used a lot. And someone would say, though, in the wrong, in, in a school that's not subscribing to science of reading, mm. that doesn't have a good intervention program for kids who are, who are not developing typically, mm. um, they'd go, well, there are going to be schools that um, where that difficulty is much more pronounced than others for kids. Yep. So there's a big moving line, isn't it? The quality yeah. of the education. But yeah. anyway, look. Yeah, so there. it is confusing. And, you know, I was doing a little bit of research before we were looking at this podcast because I was yeah. thinking, is there a definition out there? Yeah. And, you know, I was looking at all these expert opinions. Yes. And kind of this, you know, the expert opinions that I got were that it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's and right. It's not cut and dried. And, nothing and, is, yeah. Yeah, and so, easy. you know, if you're a parent out there or you're a teacher and you're thinking, oh, is, this is confusing, I don't quite understand it, well, I think... Everyone's in that boat. Yeah, like everyone yeah. is a bit confused yes. about it. And unless you subscribe to one particular model and say, you know, that's my model and here's where I'm drawing the line. Oh, I don't think how yeah, an intelligent person yeah, could do that. So, so it is quite confusing. Yeah. But for me, I think if you go on your gut feeling about a situation and you think, okay, this kid's struggling, yeah. something's not right mm. here. Yes. Like my kid's not learning to read or they're not writing correctly. And there's no apparent cognitive reason that yeah. that should be so. Yes. Yeah. Then I think you should get an assessment. Yeah. Because. Yeah. If you can. If you can. Yeah. And if you can't get an assessment, then what do you do? Okay. On assessment, um, in the DSM, the current DSM, they don't name dyslexia. No, they don't. Well, it's that broad, um, diff what, is it, what, are they, what is it? What is it actually called in the DSM? It, learning... It was one of those days. Reading and or spelling and, uh, but it's not. It's dyslexia. the medical one. What's the medical term called again? Oh, disorder. Uh, disorder. Yeah, yeah, right. A disorder in reading, spelling, reading, spelling. writing and mathematics, I think. We actually the DSM in front of us, <laughs> don't we? Um, but dyslexia not named. Um, and no. that upset a lot of people when, yeah. this is the DSM-5, isn't it? Yep. When that came out. The most out. recent one. Yeah. Uh, and they also threw out Asperger's syndrome too yeah, while they, they were did. at it, um, yep. 
which also upset a whole different community, mm. and I think probably rightly, but anywho. But people can still use it. Yes, that's right. You know what yes. I mean? We don't have to stick with the medical model. No, no, we don't. Um, when I see uh, um, educational assessments for kids, I immediately, my litmus test to does this person understand SLDs is have they named it? Dyslexia. Mm. Have they used that term or dyscalculia or dysgraphia or have they stuck safely to that broad DSM? And and I, you know, and not there are a lot of lot of lot of ed psychs who don't name it, and I think it needs to be named because yep. it then localizes that set of difficulties. To use Sally Shaywitz's met beautiful metaphor as a uh, island of difficulties in a sea of strengths. I think yep. you need to focus down. But it takes a very experienced Ed Psych who's had a lot of experience, a long time assessing kids to be able to confidently say, you know, I'm going to call it dyslexia yep. because of A, B and C. Yeah, you know. Yes. Uh, because I've seen thousands and thousands of kids and profiles over the years, and I've I've got the runs on the board to name it. Yeah. 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 So I think just getting back to what do you do if you can't get an assessment? Well, you know what I think. Like as a specialist tutor, mm. and you're a specialist tutor, mm. I have kids that I work with that have not had an assessment yes, or an identification, yep. and. I, I think that's fine mm. because these kids don't learn differently. Mm. They learn the same. You know, you don't suddenly magically learn differently when you have no. an identification no, of you dyslexia. You You're just not. a person yes. and you learn like everyone else. Just at a different yeah. pace with yeah. many more exposures needed. So if yeah. a kid's struggling with reading or mathematics or spelling or writing, then and they don't have an identification or a diagnosis, there's nothing wrong with finding a specialist tutor mm. And working with them. All right, then. So you, you don't have with, to have it. No, you don't. But I work with lots of kids in pairs. Mm. And let's just say one. And I'm always to, part of part of what we do is something they call academic therapy, which is sometimes just explaining to a kid while they're why they're struggling in this moment, mm. why they are having such difficulty with that one syllable. Um, CVC word yep. uh, that just at the moment won't come to them, and I would say things like, you know, that's just the that's just those sounds jumping around and muddling, and or and that's dyslexia. Yeah. But if the other kid on the other side of the table hasn't got that identification, but I know it's dyslexia, mm. what do I do? Well, I'm in that circumstance, and I don't I don't use the word dyslexia. Um, why don't I do it? Well, because I do have some kids whose parents don't want them to be mm. labelled. You know, they've specifically said, no, I'm not going to get an assessment because I don't want office. to label. <laughs> yeah, I go too late. They've labelled themselves. <laughs> yeah. I think we need to go there. Yeah. Um, and so I just talk about it from a purely functional perspective. So rather than using the word dyslexia, yeah. I say, well, you're having trouble with this because you're finding it tricky to break apart those sounds in your head mm, mm. and, you know, match them up with the letters. Yeah, yeah. And so I just sort of talk about it in the moment of, That's well, probably well, this, is, this is just what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Just like if we use the tennis analogy, yeah. you know, your serves are going out yes. because you're not throwing the ball high enough. No. <laughs> You've got a phonological core deficit, which makes it really hard for your brain to play with sounds, yeah. to, <laughs> or speech sounds to be. Yeah, 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 right. Well, I suppose, look, these kids are not thick. Mm. You know, I think you can – I talk to my kids about 
P-H-O-N, phon, mm. sound, phoneme, phonics, phonological dis- deficit, and the Phoenician alphabet, which we... <laughs> so you can talk to kids and explain. So if you've got a phonological core deficit, what that means is your brain has a lot of trouble with sounds. Mm. It's complicated. It's, it's complicated. It's controversial. And if we've got anything from this conversation, different labels work in different contexts. Some work in a uh, in a context that is more political uh, when you're basically looking for money or funding for something. Some work uh, better in a context when you're talking to parents or kids about the difficulties and you don't want to crush souls, you know, but you want to be frank and open about the difficulties. Yeah, they need to... They need to know what's going on, yes. and the, and that there's a name for it, and that it's not some it's not stupidity. No, and that's I think that's the most important thing, yeah. um, because like we talked about earlier, um, we're not dealing with kids that have general issues of understanding or language comprehension. They're bright kids, so it's this balance around. Look, this is this is what this thing is, and this is how you can expect it to bring your difficulty. Um, but yeah, there's I mean, a way around it. Yeah, I I say to my kids, you're certified smart. Yeah, because they've had an, they've had yes. a psychological assessment. Yes, and you can't get a diagnosis of dyslexia, dyscalculia, the no, disses, no. unless it's an unexpected. That's right. That, difference that, that, in your learning. Correct. And so they're actually certified smart. And I can say, I say to them, look, you've got the piece of paper to prove it. Mm-hmm. You're actually really smart. Mark Lemessurier <laughs> used to say to me, he'd say, this is what I say to kids. You have to, you have to make your mind up. Now, this is controversial the way you put it, but yep. I've never had it go badly. You've got to make your mind up. You're either dumb or you're dyslexic because you cannot be both at the same time. Mm. So yeah. that's one I've fallen back on a fair bit. So we're talking about dyslexia now, aren't we? We are. So that's that's the podcast next week. That's right. So, look, thank you for listening. Uh, we really hope what we said was helpful and not utterly misleading, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to check out any of the reference, uh, any of the references, sorry, we've given, or you want to follow us on socials, that's how the kids say it, isn't it, Michael? Yeah, socials. I they do. Well yeah. done. Um, I just completely wrecked the coolness when I turned to you and said <laughs> oh, that's what the kids say. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I um, think you're right. You'll find us on <laughs> discastia.com. That's D-Y-S-C-A-S-T-I-A.com, where you'll find more information and, and, and of course, all of our, epi- uh, our other episodes. Now, next week, Michael, we're going to continue our discussion on learning difficulties and we'll talk in more detail about dyslexia and dysgraphia. Yeah, excellent. So so we really hope uh, you'll lend us your ear then. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.